the difference between CG and mm-hmm. practical is like with CG, like I better not mm-hmm. notice it. It better flow. Like that, that's the whole point. I don't want right, it to right. stand mm-hmm. out. It's like that. But with practical effects, those are the ones where I want to pause it and mm-hmm. kind of go, how'd they do that? Welcome to the Dead Harvey Podcast. This is the podcast for both indie horror filmmakers and fans and this is a community uh you can find us at deadharvey.com soon we are working on the website as of this recording Uh, and there you can join our newsletter follow us on social uh what our goal here is that we want to light the path for indie horror filmmakers and also shine a light on indie horror films do we have the answers we do not but we are going to figure it out and hopefully you guys can subscribe and come along for the ride i am ted stanford and this is brad paulson brad what's on your radar oh well well done ted i would like to say and i, I like the darth vader intro thank you so yeah. uh, on my radar is um some ozploitation well not really ozploitation because it's a little bit more artsy but so i was on shutter which has become a favorite horror site of mine recently and uh, I'd heard a lot about this movie called The Furious. This is an Australian filmed horror movie. This movie is about a couple of girls that wake up in the woods and they're being chased by these monsters. And the monsters, there's basically people with masks on. And um, they're very grotesque. And it's, it's sort of throwbacks, like all the people with masks are sort of throwbacks to famous monster movie characters. Some of the monsters are assigned to protect them and then the rest are assigned to kill them. So throughout the movie, these girls have to work together to defeat the monsters. Uh, are these girls going to kill each other or how are they going to get through this? And it's sort of like, has feels of, of Friday the 13th. So it has a kind of 80s look to it. At the very beginning, you have this... Um, sort of soundtrack coming in it's fairly low budget it's not it's this pretty, is not a huge it's pretty low budget but it's yeah it's this is a good low way. budget but it, but it's pretty stylish too yeah, yeah in a um, good way it sort of reminds me of like friday the 13th without any of the cheesy lines without any of the love interest or um like the, the you know the, the teenagers that, that have that have sex and get killed by Jason slaughter nothing gets in the way of people getting slaughtered in this movie. So <laughs> no, it is there's a there's a particular scene where they got the guy and there's a decapitation. It, it, it seemed like an achievable effect. Like, yeah. like it mm-hmm. seemed like when they when they executed it, it was like that looks pretty good. There's definitely no CG involved here. But that's an achievable effect. If you gave me an afternoon and enough tools, I might figure out how to copy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not well. They did, they did a really good job about it. But what I really liked about it is that there was tons of, it was, they're all practical effects pretty much. In that. Yeah. The, the difference between CG mm-hmm. and practical is like with CG, like I better not mm-hmm. notice it. It better flow. Like that, that's the whole point. I don't want right, it to right. stand mm-hmm. out. It's not bad. But with practical effects, those are the ones where I want to pause it and mm-hmm. kind of go, how'd they do that? Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I used to do yeah. that all the time. Practical effects, even if you're aware of the fact that they're practical, mm-hmm. you're not like, I'm not taken out of the movie like I am with CGI. It's just there's something about, there's more three-dimension quality no, to A good practical, practical effect makes you stop it and try mm-hmm. to figure out how they did it because you can tell they actually did it. Yeah, I, I remember that from old Friday the 13th, like Tom Savini shit, mm-hmm. uh, where it was all practical and you would actually... You'd actually be like, okay, how did how did they achieve that? And you'd stop it, and do it, and, and you you know you know those are when you used to cheer for it. The CG better make it flow, and I that I did appreciate that about this. All right, it was uh, 
Well, I watched it on your recommendation, and uh, no, no, it was pretty good. It's good effects, good practical effects. Clearly, a low budget, um, mm-hmm. but in a good way. Like it, it, the whole thing was pretty right, good. Right. It was a good. It's definitely as an indie horror fan, it's 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 worth the watch. So that's there's Brad's. Brad's well, pick of the week. what was cool is that they didn't try to be um, cheesy at all. They tried to actually be serious, and they were there was no comic relief in this movie whatsoever. No. And whenever somebody can pull that off, I'm impressed. Whenever they can make it work and pull it off, because a lot of times, sometimes the acting is going to fail on those points, but the actors they picked didn't really falter. And everything stayed consistent with the tone throughout. And the tone was uh, pretty gruesome and then dramatic in some spots. But uh, yeah, it ended up working for me. And that, that's my pick for the week, the Furious. <laughs> that was pretty horror, good, no. And I look to, forward to more horror down under. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, it was uh, it was good. And speaking of Shudder, mm-hmm. Shudder is going to be the main topic of this week. Um, in uh, that we're going to talk about Rob Savage's uh, indie film Host. This movie is about a bunch of kids that get together, and they um, they decide to like they're kind of bored. They want to hang out. They're going to have a seance. So they decide to like mess around with the supernatural. They take it very lightly at first. They get a medium to kind of help them. The medium disappears. One of them makes a mistake and gets themselves in trouble with a real spirit that goes after them. And then after the second half of the movie, everything just goes crazy. That's when they pull out all the real effects. Um, So it sort of starts out with like that teenagers in the woods, just going to party and having a good time and disregarding the supernatural. And then then they realize how serious it is. And the interesting thing about this is so Host was born out of uh, an actual Zoom call that, that mm-hmm. he did with his friends where he, he, he played this joke on them and recorded it. And then he put the, uh, put that, put that video on, on YouTube and it goes mm-hmm. viral as he's explaining it. And then it blows up, uh, leverages that into a deal with shutter where he turns it into it, not even a feature, which is pretty cool. It's 57 minutes. That's what I like about these kind of new platforms is like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who gives a shit if it's 90 minutes or 30 minutes, it's 57 minutes. It is what it is. And uh, now, because of the success of it on Shutter, he's now signed a three-picture deal with Blumhouse, um, which I think is awesome. And that is a, um, you know, like if you're thinking about a career path as an indie horror filmmaker and and how you, you know, like how how you're gonna make it to where you get a three-picture deal with Blumhouse or how you're gonna get that that feature. Uh, that made where you're it's not you're not begging borrowing and stealing the money to get it made this is kind of the path it's like really cool so today's episode we're going to talk about the career path and leveraging those moments like what he did which i think the pivotal moment was the the that zoom call that he did where it went viral um and so looking at that idea of the viral thing i think it it's, it's interesting to look back on the idea of short films and how short films get leveraged into careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and re- realistically, like we were talking about this before the show pre like seventies, when, when it was all studios, there's nothing, they just greenlit movies. Like it just, they just happened. Uh, and it was around when, when film schools became a thing in the seventies and you had guys like Spielberg and Lucas and Coppola kind of coming through that what ended up happening around then is that you would, uh, they would get their whatever senior film or they'd make a short film at the end of it. And then they would take it around to the studios. The studios would make it and that would launch their career. Uh, the one that I remember when we were in film school to see, I saw, I saw George Lucas's THX 1138, mm-hmm. which he then turned into a film. Uh, and I know that all those guys like Spielberg and if they didn't, uh, I think even didn't Spielberg do time with uh, Roger Corman before he flipped over to do Jaws? Uh, or was it uh, Coppola? Scorsese did. 
Scorsese. Yeah, Scorsese, Scorsese, Scorsese wants it. With Corman, yeah. That's right. Scorsese. I know a couple of them to get their films made that would, mm-hmm. would go to guys like Corman and Corman's the legend that would allow these guys to do it, cut their chops and go over. But otherwise they were doing these short films. So that was kind of the, like where the short film became a proof of concept. Um, Saw was the big one uh, for mm-hmm. me. Um, and the story being Saw got greenlit because they made that scene, you know, the famous scene with Carrie Elway's mm-hmm. um, trapped in the basement. Uh, yeah. Basically. And they put this basically, it's a bit, it ended up being like, whatever, it was a five minute short. It's like, Hey, you're chained here. The keys in the guy over there. What are you going to do to go get it? And, and, and it was an enticing enough short film that they took that short sent it around to all the studios saying we can make this. And then eventually I think what the story was, they wanted like, you know, $10 million to do it. They ended up getting five. The other one that I remember about short films was Neil Blumkamp. He got famous on, it was YouTube. Like he was making shorts and he had figured out CG animation and how to do CG and do like that, those realistic CG integrations like he did in district nine. And he got discovered on YouTube. Um, if you remember, I actually watched a lot of his stuff, but even later on, he uh, he still used that same one, and that's something you can learn from him. Is he did he had a Halo concept that he did on his own that he mm-hmm. put on YouTube. He had an Alien concept that he did on his own YouTube, and both of those got close to being greenlit just simply due to the fact that they went viral, mm-hmm. uh, viral online. I think those. I mean, you could probably still search YouTube and and, and find those one. But Christ, Neil Blumkamp had a huge career, and that all started from YouTube on doing short films getting eyeballs on them and uh and uh, and then leveraging that and learning how to make stuff that looked like it was made for a lot more yeah and what's impressive about rob savage is he made his first movie and he was either 17 or 18 uh which went on to a bunch of festival acclaim he knows indie filmmaking this is a micro budget filmmaker his first film which he won an award on uh, is a feature that he made for three thousand dollars yeah right so so he he understood he understands all that i mean that all goes to to show like he clearly has chops as a as a micro indie filmmaker and i think that's one of the things where like i would encourage any filmmaker out there it's like hey if you got a feature film like can you make it a short can you do a five minute Mm -hmm. piece on it and and then put it out there put it out there on youtube put you know get get something out there see if you can get some eyeballs on it i mean you don't have to go the saw road where those guys made it for the sake of showing proof of concept to studios. Uh, you can do it just to put it out there and then leverage that if you get enough views. If you're cranking out short films or even even concepts or little things and being able to put it out there and, and put it out in the world, first off, you're gonna get people watching you, you're gonna get some, you're gonna learn some shit and you're and and you know, get some attention. And and I think it's uh, yeah, just just producing something, whether it's concept, short anything and putting it out there is uh is the way to go and i mean and clearly constantly creating like like he did um then you look at that path he was he did i think if you look on imdb for rob savage it was like three thousand dollar you know feature film to start and then then a pile of short films Mm -hmm. he did the festival circuits networked with a bunch of people kind of knew the direction he wanted to go did this one viral hit and it went it went viral but then he had the background to be able to leverage that into this deal with shutter because they're oh you know you won a film festival you won this okay great you've got that here it is and now um you're going to be seeing seeing him for a while because he's got this deal and and the more stuff you put out there the better you're going to get don't be afraid to put shit out there mm-hmm. um but do it strategically 
uh, do it in a way that you can see how many views you're getting. You maybe, maybe you, uh, you know, wrap it around some sort of crowdfunding where you get users and get people involved and you can, you can get a fan base. He, he played around for like seven, eight years, short films, micro budget, had a viral hit and then leverage that viral hit. And that's what's got him where he is. And mm -hmm. I think it's uh, that's the big takeaway is that you got to keep your feet moving and then eventually be prepared for when something does happen. When you do get a hit, you're able to convert it into something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so what did you think, like, uh, what was it with the movie host that, that worked for you the best? What do you think uh, fired on all cylinders for that movie? For me, the best... What I thought was super great about it is that it took a format that we're all used to right now, um, which is Zoom. Everyone's had a Zoom call. We're on a Zoom call right now. And um, it basically created a story within a format that we're used to. And then uh, so pretty quickly, right off the bat, you got it. You understood where it was at. And like, you know, it's one of those things as soon as you see it for the first time, you're like, of course, of course, it's a great way to, to do this. And other films have done things that uh, similar where they're talking like they've used social media i think uh, catfish was one where it was all done through social media and uh, there's been some other examples of that as well uh but but for me it was like it just instantly clicked and i was drawn into it because i was like no i get where you're doing i get where you're at i understand the format i've been on a thousand of these calls and now you're storytelling within that format and and it and it really and it really worked i mean there were certain things that like um for me, like there's a couple points. I was like, "Why is the guy turning? Why are they turning your laptop around and walking forward? Like it doesn't make any sense to me." But um, but you pretty quickly, you know, you have to give a little suspension of disbelief on certain stuff. But to use the format to tell the story well, but then all of a sudden, I mean, I'll be honest with you, the effects and the stunts and the different stuff they did at the end, like were, were really good. Like they they really like they didn't take me out at all. Like mm -hmm. and and the fact that they pulled that off working remotely and like and getting it all done, I thought I thought that really ticked the box for me. I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, it starts slow too. Like like the first sort of jump scare and the second one, you're like, oh, is this what it's gonna be? Then all of a sudden just it unleashes at the end. And you're like, again, like we said at the beginning, when you talked about all those practical effects, and these were practical effects, mm -hmm. um it makes you stop and go how'd they do that and and yeah. uh I, I i like that a lot more than um if they put a bunch of cg in it and made it kind of a different look so yeah that's it the format and the fact that they pulled off those practical effects and made them look good first time that i watched it i was kind of like the, the first half didn't work as well for me because i didn't think they're going to show me anything and then the second half like really locked me in and then i watched it again and the pacing actually worked a lot better for me. What I think was really cool about this movie is they had like like we're talking about streaming. They utilized the streaming element that, that, that's best for it, which is like you can have series on streaming. One episode can be fifty seven minutes. One episode can be forty five minutes. Mm -hmm. It's not like a character piece or anything else like that. It's a roller coaster that you're going on for fifty seven minutes. It starts up like this for the first half, and then it goes down all the way through, and then you're going through a bunch of loops until it ends. Um, but that's that's what I kind of viewed this movie as is like a sort of like a Halloween haunt or a roller coaster ride. Uh, it doesn't need that extra time frame. It doesn't need those extra subplots like movies do. It just is to start it and then hit you over the head and keep hitting you over the head until it's over. Yeah. Now the interesting thing about it too, and you could probably uh, add to this is 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 how they got those practical effects mm -hmm. done and doing it remotely. Like my, I, when I read about it. 
Uh, I mean, there's some cool effects, like people flying up in the air and getting thrown yeah. around. There's a fall off the, you know, and there's demons and, and shit and people kind of like shit flying around. Um, uh, and he did it remotely. He had, mm-hmm. he had sent stuff uh, to them because they, I mean, I don't know if they legitimately did it on Zoom. I, I doubt it, but um, they would, they would have done it just on remote, like yeah. low budget cams. Um, but it was pretty cool that he sent stuff to each of them and uh walked them through it and he wasn't even there and they and they all pulled it off i mean i think you, you were you know a bit more about that one but i mean to me that was kind of cool like he sent these packages to everyone's like okay here's what we're going to do in these scenes and they had to set it up i think one stunt coordinator shows up kind of helps walk through a bunch of stuff but that was really cool to pull that off is pretty impressive yeah and another thing too was that i that i was thinking like um why does this movie kind of work on a primal level because a lot of ghost movies that you watch you don't really know exactly what the ghost is capable of doing. A lot of times it's just to like um, kind of show up at random moments, scare somebody or maybe scare somebody into um, getting them to commit suicide or getting them to attack somebody else, or getting them to go crazy. In this one, the ghost appears. They don't really um, they don't really have any background on the ghost or anything like that, which makes it better, I think. The ghost just appears and he can do physical damage to every single person in the movie. Basically, the physical barrier of this world, once they invite him in, does not stop his powers. He has essentially limitless power to destroy everyone that he goes after. And most ghost stories are very vague about what the actual powers of the ghost are. And that's why a lot of ghost stories don't work for me because I'm confused as to what the limitations are and what they can do in their world. But this one, they're basically like a Jason or a Freddy when they come in after people. And that's what I thought really worked on a primal level about it because you knew the ghost could actually do harm to everybody in the movie. Yeah, now that I think about it, it's actually interesting because they could do like a Blair Witch thing where the Blair Witch one was mm-hmm. filmed. Um, you know, everyone knows the Blair Witch, you know, yeah. it was filmed where they sent them the actors didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. It was all shot on their own cameras and blah blah. And Blair Witch two just didn't even take that same format, just shot its own film, you know, right, taking yeah. the same taking the same yeah. concept. This could actually do the same thing. It's like, okay, well, we've created a character. They've done it through Zoom. It, it didn't have to be through Zoom. It actually was established at the beginning that the the person leaving the seance typically doesn't do do it through something like Zoom. So now we've actually created a world, and we could actually take that world and now go shoot it, um, you know, in a traditional fashion. Yeah. But it's actually another thing you could think as a, as a filmmaker. It's like, hey, if you have a big, if you have a big concept for something, is there a cheaper way to do it? just right. to get it out there and then right. be able to leverage the cheap way of doing it and say, okay, well now that we've done that, we can do, we can do this. Like can we show a snippet of, of this, right? Like that's it's a true. cool way to think about it. What it also kind of reminded me of too is a lot of Lovecraft movies because he has a public license. Mm-hmm. A lot of Lovecraft movies, uh, they, they encompass that they're made low budget. A lot of them historically have been made low budget, but they also encompass like that bigger picture. So there's some element out there that comes after us and that element that comes after us. It is something that is completely beyond our understanding. And we feel very minuscule compared to the power that it has. And that's sort of what it reminded me of this, but in the ghost world for it. So there's sort of a cosmic horror element that I think works for this as well, too. Yeah. So it works for the story, but it also works as a filmmaker, right? Because Mm -hmm. you can sit there and say, well, we have a low budget. We have this low budget, but a, but a much bigger idea or concept. But a much bigger idea. So let's just let's just explore a sliver of the idea here at uh, this format, and then when you're actually going out there to pitch it, if it hits, you're saying, "Well, hey, look, there's a bigger there's a bigger picture here." It's kind of like saying, "It's like, oh no, this is my Iron Man." Uh, by the way, there's an entire extended you know 
Marvel Universe. Uh, mm-hmm. This is how it plays out. But I've just only told this one story. Do you want to help me tell the rest of the story? Then, it, you know, because if it hits, it's, um, you know, now all of a sudden you have leverage to to, to get other films made. But I yeah. think that's actually like, it's a kind of cool way to look at it and say, hey, we've just created a world about this seance and bringing someone in there because if you fuck around like she found in the in the movie um oh you, this the spirit can come in there and oh my god you don't want that now we discovered it through a zoom chat but hey mm-hmm. in, in part two it, it might very well be we discover it in the woods on a real seance and now let's explore this character and this whole world a little bit more you right, you've, yeah. you've created a world and now you have something to take to studios or people and say hey i've already done this let's explore it further in fact i would i would be shocked if his first film with uh blumhouse isn't somehow related to this and the main takeaway here really is that go out there and make shit and uh, get your stories out there um and uh i think that's a good place to end because hey you might have this big whole idea but is there a way to take one little part of it and 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 get it out there somehow in a cheap and efficient way um and then if it gets any traction you can you now have the rest of the world that you can take out there so i think that's Mm -hmm. a really good way to it's a good good way to, to to end it but um but yeah i mean what we're going to explore quite a bit in in this uh podcast is um is marketing and promotion and and building an audience and and getting stuff out there i think that is every filmmaker out there now is to think like that um i think we'll probably do less about the nuts and bolts and cameras and editing gear and stuff like that we'll probably nerd out on movies and then talk about marketing and promotion i think that's really from my perspective, it's like, hey, that's we we need to we need to highlight filmmakers. We need to shine a light on these type of films and give them the exposure they need, and and then give people the path. Um, and full disclosure, I uh, went to film school with Brad. Um, the, I was I did a lot of screenwriting. Um, got close on a few things, which we'll explore later in the in the, in the podcast. Was involved in a few films and did a bunch of film work, but fell into marketing. And now I have a marketing company. And uh, what I want to explore over the course of this is how marketing uh, influences the indie filmmakers and maybe uh, in a way we can help everybody out that way. Because um, if you have a project, you know, maybe we can help. I want to explore how we can be marketing, how we can be marketing, how we can be entrepreneurs within this space and uh, think like a marketer and, and build an audience and get this stuff out there. So, uh, I don't know if you have anything to add before we end no. it off. No, no. Well said. We just want this to be a, a community where we can um, talk you know, talk about what works for people's movies, the path that certain people take to make movies and uh, uh, how they're successful in some ways, what things work, what things don't, and sort of um, uh, have a community where everybody can kind of figure out everything together and then hopefully uh, get some movies financed in the future. Yeah, I, I, 100%. That's we're going to explore how to make it work. I think that's the best way you said as a community and that's what we want to build here. And like, Hey, as we go, like we'll bring guys on here. We'll talk about different projects. We're going to bring on guests and talk about it. I think we have to build up our audience first. So um, I think over the next couple of episodes, we will concentrate on each other to, to uh, talk about our paths that got us to here. I think next week we will talk about uh, Brad and his trials and tribulations as a North Hollywood independent filmmaker um and then the next week we'll talk about uh, my path and uh, when i was in la and, uh, and the screenwriting and where that took me 
um, and then take things from there. So I think that's uh, that's what we'll do over the next little bit. Again, uh, soon we'll have our website up. Hopefully by the time people are actually listening to this, we have our website up. Uh, follow us on whatever socials we're on. Sign up for our e-newsletter. Uh, we're trying to build a community and together we can make shit happen. Yeah. All right. All right. Get out there this weekend and make a movie with no money. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Until next week.